everything is changing at a faster pace than ever before. Technology, business, just name it. So the big question becomes, how do you survive in an era of continuous disruption? I am Scott Smith for ThinkCast, and we've got Gartner analyst Joe Scarupa on the line from California. Joe will be speaking at the Gartner Tech Growth and Innovation Conference set for June 19th to 21st in Huntington Beach, California. Of course, a lot can change. No, make that will change between now and then. So we figured it best to bring Joe on now to talk about surviving continuous disruption. Joe, thanks for joining us. And let's get right to the obvious question. What do you mean by continuous disruption? Well, if we look at traditional market cycles, when a new technology is brought into the market, it usually takes five to 10 years for that product and technology's life cycle to play out. You get the early adopters with the introduction. Over time, you get broad mainstream adoption. Eventually, sort of the laggards come on board. And the typical market adoption curve looks like a bell curve. What we're seeing now is rather than five to 10 years before the next disruption comes along, we're seeing markets now where the next wave of disruptions is as little away as maybe a year. And in some markets, we're seeing yearly disruptions. So rather than seeing a bell curve, even in technology, we're beginning to see something that looks a lot more like the consumer adoption curve that's now being described as a shark fin. Not this gentle rise, a nice profit curve at the top, and then long-term decline, but very, very rapid adoption followed by potentially very rapid either obsolescence or at least the next wave of competition. And while that's not every market, we're seeing it increasingly in technology markets, particularly in and around the data center and in and around IT. So then, while, as you mentioned, it it can sound ominous there, at the same time, especially in IT, we've prided ourselves on speeding up the process for ourselves and everyone else. So what challenges does this continuous disruption pose? You gave kind of that worst-case scenario of potentially being obsolete. Profits can fall fast, quicker cycles. But but really, how does that impact us in the way we do business? Well, if we think about that classic bell curve, it means you've got a couple of years if you're a new entrant to establish yourself, to get your product to work, to figure out your distribution and your go-to-market. If you're an incumbent vendor, You've got a few years to figure out whether or not it's really a threat. You've got a chance to maybe enhance your own product to blunt the differentiation of the new competition. You can figure out maybe who the leader is and buy them, take them out of the market, and the threat goes away. In this environment, things happen very, very quickly. And so you don't have two or three years to prove out what you're doing. It has to work and work quickly and work well. You don't have years to figure out how to make money and when you're going to make money. If you don't get in early, the opportunity for profits are potentially substantially constrained. And because you have waves of overlapping disruption, it's very difficult to sustain differentiation. And in today's world, differentiation isn't just technological. It could be go-to-market. It could be a new business model. It could be a combination of them. And so it's a much more challenging environment for the provider community. If I look back even a few years ago, Jeffrey Moore wrote a book called Zone to Win, 
that was seen as an approach to dealing with how do you navigate this challenge of disruption. But in it, it assumed a very limited number of competitors, and therefore you had a longer time to be able to adapt. For example, if we look in the SD-WAN market today, there are 40 competitors, and a very large number of them have viable product. And we have buying behavior that's very different. It used to be that it took two or three years for the technology to be stable enough and for people to believe that it worked before mainstream customers would buy. In SD-WAN, a year into it, it's already gone mainstream, and it's gone vertical and horizontal throughout the market. With this sort of an environment, you really can't blunt the impact. You can't slow it down. If you're the incumbent, you have very, very little time to react. If you're one of the 40 competitors trying to establish yourself in the market, you don't have three or four years to prove to your investors that you can make it work. So what we have here is an environment that is Darwinian in the truest sense. It's about survival of the most adaptable. At the risk of completely butchering my metaphors here, Joe, it sounds like what you're saying is we're standing on the track. The freight train is coming. So the question is, are we going to be where do we stand? Are we deers in the headlights or are we ready to grab the train and go along for the ride? In other words, how would you assess our readiness to actually succeed in this environment? Well, you've got to look at how you fit into the market. And at Gartner, we've developed a model that lets us evaluate vendor behavior and vendor attributes and liabilities. And we describe the provider community, the vendor community in one of three ways. They are either a protector, which means they're the incumbent, they're the one or two dominant players in a market. And what they have to do is they really have to take a look and say, what's coming along, what's very early in the cycle that has the potential to dramatically disrupt my business model? How and where am I vulnerable? And when you see those things, you've got to move quickly. You don't have two or three years to figure out what bet do you place. You might have to place a couple. The second vendor behavior and a category would be the evolutionary disruptor. And this would be a protector in their own market who's decided to pivot into potentially one of their previous partners' markets. Now, I'm really good at selling servers, and I want to go play in storage because that looks like an interesting market. In this case, when you're an evolutionary disruptor, you've got to think, what assets do I already have that I can use to help me enter this market. One of them that you often have is established relationships with potential customers. You're selling them something different, but in many cases you're already a trusted supplier, so you can leverage that. You may not have the technology or the product. The other thing you may have as an evolutionary disruptor is you've got a good high profit margin business, so you can afford to invest in this new space. So you've got to think about what are the attributes you have, what are the assets you have that you can leverage to pivot. And then you have the revolutionary disruptors. And usually, but not always, usually these are startups. We jokingly describe them as barbarians at the gate because they have no loyalty to the existing model. They're about going in and laying waste to the market as it is today changing the technology model, changing the business model, changing the go-to-market. 
if you're a revolutionary disruptor, you're trying to get your startup off the ground, you've got to think about how do I build a defensible market presence quickly? How do I generate reference customers? How do I deliver revenue to convince my investors to continue to fund when the big guys get involved and things get a lot tougher? So when you think about your readiness and how do you get ready, you need to think about which of those three personas does your company inhabit, and then you can figure out what to do. So let me build off that, Joe. You have the three models, the three personas. Is there a certain type that is more poised, a certain kind of organization that is best poised to succeed in this environment? Because what you just listed, very different, but all have pluses from a business standpoint and all have potential hurdles in, in this environment of continuous disruption. It's an environment that's challenging for everybody. It, you know, it really doesn't matter which of the three you have. It's a tough, tough time. The biggest issue for the protectors is, in most cases with a mature market, they have investor expectations that they have a very, very high profit margin business. In some cases, 70 or 80% margin. A lot of startups are more than happy to live on dramatically lower margins and still turn very significant profits. So you've got to try and figure out how do you leverage those profits without really upsetting your investors. And the few folks that have been able to do it have gotten way out front with their customers and way out front with their investors and moved to new business models that make it harder for customers to move away. For example, things like recurring revenue models rather than perpetual licenses. It changes the dynamic and it puts you in potentially a better position. But boy, it's a tough thing to execute on. You usually wind up with short-term revenue fall and investors don't like that. We joke internally about the fact that this recurring revenue model is a terrific thing for the new management team that comes in in year four and five. It's just not so pretty for the old management team that winds up going away after about year three of the transition. If you're an evolutionary disruptor, the good news is you've got some assets you can bring to bear, but while you're using those to attack this adjacent market and potentially attack one of your former partners, there's no guarantee that another disruption won't come after your core business. So you may have to be playing two roles at once. You may have to be a protector in your core business while you're being an evolutionary disruptor in another business. And when it comes to a startup, the challenge today is that at least one of them is that there are a lot of very capable teams that have strong customer relationships from their previous lives where they worked at protectors and evolutionary disruptors. They're well-known. They've done, in some cases, two and three successful startups. So they're able to get money. They're able to attract staff. But there's a lot of competition for staff. There's still competition for money. And the time to really achieve critical mass is relatively short. And a lot of investors in today's world have very, very short horizons. For investors that are sort of social media focused, they're thinking about 18 months and they're out. When you're talking about core IT markets, it could still be five or six years before you see 
the exit. So you've got to be able to manage investor expectation and keep the funding in and also need to know when's the time to get out. So no matter where you are, it's a challenging place to be. Whether or not that's good or bad, and it's sort of like talking about oxygen and gravity. Those are facts of life, and you simply have to learn how to deal with them. So how do you deal with continuous disruption? In truth, that's a longer answer for the time we have allotted on ThinkCast. But fear not. There is plenty of great Gartner research on the topic, and you can hear Joe himself expound on it more at the Tech Growth and Innovation Conference set for June 19th to 21st in Huntington Beach, California. You can learn more about the conference at gartner.com slash events slash na slash tech hyphen growth. And make sure to check out the Gartner webinars at gartner.com slash webinars, as well as more of our ThinkCast conversations at gartner.com slash podcasts. Or make it even easier to keep up with ThinkCast by subscribing at iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play. And when you're there, make sure to give us a rating. For ThinkCast, I'm Scott Smith. Thanks for listening.